She say, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love my bed and my mom. I'm sorry. Yay! Uh, welcome to another podcast. And this is just in the lobby. And this podcast is going to be about the first Christians. Loyal and true. So, um, one of the first questions for uh, this podcast is, how would you describe the early Christian people and what was life like for them? So, if I was someone who who based it off history, you know, didn't really know too much about the Bible, based it off history, I would say for the early Christians, for what they seen through history, they got persecuted a lot, like, dang. They couldn't. They probably couldn't go an hour without someone calling out on their beliefs. And life for them was tough. I believe, like not believe. I feel like life was really tough for them because it seemed like left and right. Someone would say, "Oh, you believe in this person? Well, why isn't this thing happening for your life?" And that really began to challenge their beliefs. <clears throat> now, if I was someone who you know, took time, you know, read the Bible, you know, had a relationship with God. Again, I would say life for the early Christians was, from the spiritual perspective, more complicated. Because sometimes you may feel like God is answering your prayers, but sometimes you feel like he isn't. And you're in this middle of ground where it's just like, Life around me is a living mess. I don't really know what God is doing. Is he like answering my prayers and whatnot? And again, not spiritual for them. Still looking on the way if I had a good relationship with God, you know, read the Bible. They, again, they got persecuted a lot. I mean, they can go a good two feet without someone testing them on their beliefs. And, I mean, life for them was, again, troubling. Life was really hard, not just for them, but for, I feel like, anyone who believed in anything, not just Christians. Life was hard for people back then. And I feel like, again, life is also still hard for Christians. We may may not see a lot of persecution in where we live, like America, Cause, you know, Christianity is you know, right, ex, it's, it's more of just known than accepted. Cause you know, there's a lot of religions in America. Not everyone is going to accept Christianity. Most, some people do. And people know about it. In America, I feel like you know some people don't, but some people know about it. And I think that um. Again, life can still be hard for them. Because, you know, they be me going through a troubling time in this day. They pray to God the next day, they pray, so I answered. I feel like that still stands on a good relationship with God. Because if you don't have a good relationship with God, you're going to start doubting God. And um, that's something that we can't do. You know, God takes his time to answer his prayer. <laughs> answers our prayer. We're not the only person who is praying to God. <laughs> And um, I feel like as Christians, sometimes we have to realize that, yeah, it's going to take time for God to answer our prayers. But let's not get sidetracked. 
Second question is, why did the cosmic conflict rage so fiercely for the first Christians? So, um, we read about this in the um, Bible, and um, in this uh, Love Under Fire by Ellen G. Wright, and I feel like this is talking about the pagans, you know, not really the pagans, but, well, not yet, but more of the pagans and the Christians, how somehow they saw a middle ground and they felt like, yeah, you know how God says we can't be lukewarm, you know, we either choose him or choose the other side. I feel like that's where it was here, but in the sense where the heart may have been transformed but their actions were still doing what they what they did before sorry oh sorry and um if we like that's still a trouble today you know we still have things in our lives where we feel like we may be changed but yet we still go back to our old ways but um let me let me answer this question why did the cosmic conflict rage so fiercely for the first christians because, um, paganism, really. Um, paganism, worshipping idols, worshipping other things that are not God. And, um, before I say anything else on this, I feel like, as Christians, sometimes we do worship things that are not God. We may not do it all the time, but the computer or phone that you're on, you could be on it more than you are really supposed to. Because we're on this earth for so much. And if we spend most of our time on our phones and laptops, not really trying to strengthen our relationship with God, then what are we actually? What are we actually? If someone says, hey, you have a good relationship with God, and you say, I don't know, or I'm trying I mean, we're all trying, but if it's to the point where your phone, like, you can't go a minute without your phone, something is, uh, I feel like that is something that really needs to be handled with. But, um, yeah, um, paganism swept in, you know, these Christians being persecuted and stuff. And then you have these pagans coming in with their beliefs, many idols, you know, do many things that the Christians look at, look at and say, whoa, um, uh, in the Bible it says we're not supposed to be doing this stuff. And, um, let me, uh, read something out here that stood to me. Well, if I can, if I can find it, hold on a minute. Oh, here it is. Uh, this is uh, un Love Under Fire, LF 21.4. In the end, most Christians consented to lower their standard. They formed a uni union between Christianity and paganism. Although the idol worshippers professed to unite with the church, they still clung to, to their idolatry. They simply changed the objects of the worship to images of Jesus and, and even Mary of and even of Mary and the saints, false doctrines, superstitious rites, idolatrous, sorry, ceremonies became a part of the church faith and worship. The Christian religion was corrupted, and the church lost her purity and power. 
somehow were not misled, they still remained faithful to the Arthur of Truth. So back to what I was saying, they were in that middle ground where they said, I believed God. Also, they're like, you know what? It wouldn't hurt to just, you know, pray to the statue. You know, maybe since God isn't answering this prayer, I'll just pray to the statue, statue and see if they answered. And uh, that's uh, something that I feel like we can struggle with now. It may not be necessary praying, but it's like, oh, I should speak with God. But, but this new video game is kind of cool. Let me just play it for a little bit longer. God can wait, you know. We tend to start to put the things of this earth ahead of God. Um, this next question is, what were Satan's approaches in trying to wipe out Christianity? So, uh, one, like I just read, paganism in, in the church, colliding, you know. Um, we have some churches, I'm not saying who church, because I'm not a judge. But there's some churches that have, you know, here's yeah, an idol. Mary Jesus, you know, there are statues of Jesus. No, I'm not saying anything wrong. No, because I'm not a judge. God is the one who can truly judge them. I'm not going to go to each church and check out if they have a statue or not and say, Oh, you have a statue of Jesus? Uh, hmm? Then I don't know about that. But I'm just saying, you know, we see some of this stuff in our church, in our churches today, you know, with statues and stuff. We're not not necessary worship them but sometimes we look at them in a different perspective and um that's one that we talked about mm -hmm. in class is uh confessions you know confessing to another human your sin and being honest you're not really repenting or doing anything mm -hmm. what you're really doing is you're just saying hey bro um I um yeah I know I did this sin that I know is a sin and I feel bad about it but if we don't repent to God then are we really feeling bad about it we're really doing it just saying uh hey I sinned and um I really don't care I just wanted to tell someone about it um I think there was one more but I probably will not be able to find it because I am one of those people who are a little bit slow at scanning articles. Uh, I should, I should probably remember this. I should probably fill out the notes. Anyways, fourth question is: In what ways is the gospel a message of peace? In what ways is it called a sword? So they gave me two verses to look at. I will look at them. Luke two fourteen for the in what ways is the gospel message like peace. Now without looking at it, you know, from my understanding in the Bible, peace is um one, knowing that uh you know, you have salvation through God, believing in him, and this world we live in is like, it's hell, basically. I'm sorry to say, but this world we're living in is hell. But knowing that we have salvation through the Lord is just 
brings peace to mind that he's coming again to save us and take us to a higher place. Luke, oh, sh shoot. Oh. Luke 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on to earth, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So again, like I said, God's spirit is on you. You believe in him. You have accepted his word. God has taken you to a blessed place. Now, in what ways is it like a sword? Uh, uh, the verse is Matthew 10. Matthew 10, 34. If I'm correct, and I am. So without looking at it, thinking of a sword, you know, you could think of it in different ways, you know. Double-edged sword. You know, you think about it as in the way of, you know, you're a pastor, right? That's one way. You're a pastor, you're preaching God's word to someone, and it strikes them. But you preach it in a way to where it strikes you too in something. Like, you may have been going through something deep, and that verse just, it just hits you good. And you realize that, yeah, me preaching this word is really what actually helped me boost me. Now, I don't. I'm not really that good with swords and analogies and stuff, but I'm going to read Matthew 10, 34 and, and uh, say what I think on that. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And um, we can go to, oh, I tried to go to 33 and it messed up. <clears throat> but uh, on that note, God is here to, you know, uh, let's see if I can find 33. Because I think that would help me a little bit better. Oh, oh, 35, sorry. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who live, who loves her father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. This is saying that, yes, it is good to love it. your family members, but truly... You should not feel like God comes first out of everything. God really does come first in everything. And that the life that God given us has given us, sorry, has given us is very short. I truly may not have answered this and answered best that I think that it should have been answered, but I feel like God's Bible is a sword, and we um, can take down the demons that come our way, but also by striking anyone with this sword, we can spread his word. And, oh, God, it's about to be 20 minutes, better wrap this up. Um, why, and the very last question is, why is that persecution seems to sleep? So I feel like, like the first question, early Christian people, I feel like persecution was more common there, because a lot of people didn't have that many religions to accept. So if someone was spreading Christianity back then, they might be like, oh, I don't really know how I feel about this, but let's hate on him for it. But as of now, if someone's mm -hmm. trying to preach Christianity to your house, comes to your door and says, would you like to hear about the uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? 
They're just gonna close the door. They're not even gonna say anything, just close the door. <laughs> and um, I feel like it's sleeping now because people, some people have realized that I should really not care about it. You know, back then I feel like people used to really care what other people thought about their religion and stuff and what they believed in. But if now someone's telling you to believe in this, you're probably just like, if you don't give me proof, then there's no point. But I feel like in third world countries where religion is kind of vital, because if you believe in a certain religion from a different group, persecution, they might not just persecute you, they might kill you for what you believe in. And that's something that we all get to know as followers of Christ, that people are going to come after us and try and kill us for what we believe in. And I feel like <laughs> at the end of the day, you got to realize that believing with God comes with uh, consequences because this world we live in is not, is not all fun. I mean, this world we're living in is hell. And, um, yeah, I know, this was kind of depressing. The ending was kind of depressing, but, um, that will be my podcast for today, or tonight, I would say. Yeah, it's not 12 yet, so tonight. And, um, hope you learned something from this podcast, and that, um, answered these questions correctly. And, uh, let me end this off right. Um... This will be concluding just in the podcast. Beep. Beep.